We're on, Derek, yeah. Uh, you're, all, you're all very welcome along the church this morning. Uh, you're also very welcome if you're joining us online via the church app uh, on Facebook or listening through the CD ministry. Uh, we're glad that you've been able to join us for worship this morning. On your behalf, I'd like to give a very warm welcome to the Reverend Bob Allaley. Uh, the Reverend Allaley has been uh, here now on a number of occasions and we've enjoyed uh, his ministry in the past and look forward to what the Lord has laid upon his heart uh, for our congregation here this morning. Uh, one or two announcements. Um, firstly, uh, Margaret uh, is still a bit under the weather uh, and hasn't been able to, to join us today, so our thoughts are with Margaret and we wish her a speedy recovery. Um, and I think Robin's going to look after the music again just from the, from the, the desk upstairs, so uh, our, our thoughts just, just with Margaret at, at this time. Um, children will leave for Sunday school uh, after the children's hymn. Midweek, uh, again this Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. The no BB or GB this week, uh, again due to COVID just uh, in, the local, uh, in the local area. And the, the BB and the GB have both uh, decided that there will be no meetings until February. So uh, no BB or GB this week. Church committee meeting on Monday the 31st of January at 7.30 p.m. in, in, the, church, in the church building <coughs> here. Uh, members of the congregation are invited to attend from 7.30 p.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, to hear the treasurer's report with the committee then, um, the committee meeting in full then to follow uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, session meeting on Tuesday evening, uh, the 8th of February, so if the men could keep that evening free. And then our speaker next Sunday, DV, will be the Reverend Ken Nelson. Uh, and uh, David also has, has said here that, again, if anyone requires pastoral care or support, uh, to contact him uh, on the usual numbers there. So we'll just hand over now to the Reverend Allenay. Thank you very much, Murray. Good morning, everyone. And um, it's good to be back. I'm just looking at my diary. It's six months, so I thought I'd done something to offend you. But it is good to be here. And don't worry about the, the music. These things happen. I remember uh, when I was in Craig Avon and Vinnie Cash, there were very different congregations. And Craig Avon usually had a family service once a month, and that was really crazy. And I had to prepare two sermons, one for Craig Avon, one for Vinnie Cash. And this particular Sunday, about six miles between the two of them, arrived in Vinnie Cash about a minute to 12, uh, got up into the pulpit, started the service, and realized that I had no sermon with me. So I hadn't time to go back to the manse, which was six, seven miles away. So uh, I decided I would tell them my testimony. And uh, at the end of the service, at the door, this elderly lady going past said, you know, Mr. Alley, that's the best sermon you've ever preached. <laughs> so these things happen. Who knows? Maybe the choice of hymns today will touch somebody's heart and encourage them. And, of course, we'll start with uh, a fairly modern one, but uh, you obviously know it. It's come, now is the time to worship, which I believe is appropriate for our worship this morning.
a bit different there's some fantastic words there so let's just come come to the Lord and worship and come to him now in an attitude of prayer let us pray loving heavenly father we do indeed come to you this morning we come to you filled with gratitude and love and thankfulness because you O oh God have provided the means of our salvation 
through your only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We come to worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit today. And we want to do that truthfully. We want to do that with every ounce of our being. To worship the one true living God. The one who has created all things. The one who knows all things. The one who is in control. Lord, we come because we need your help. We come because we love you. Because we want to return to you adoration and affection and the commitment of our lives to your cause, the cause of Jesus Christ, the task of going out into all the world with the good news of Jesus. But we know that we're frail human beings and all sorts of things can upset us and set us back and put us off the straight and narrow onto the broad way that leads to death. And we pray that here this morning as we worship you, and okay, there are a few problems with music and all that, help us to surmount those, that indeed the hymns that are available will speak to every one of us. But not only that, that as we read your word, as speak with the children, and then open up your word later on, that you would speak directly to our souls. Lord, you know that we need change. We need, we need a lot of freedom so that we can worship you. We also need to be thankful just to be part of this congregation, to be part of its fellowship and its witness in the wider community. And we know that during the vacancy, it's not easy. And with COVID rampant still, it's even more difficult. So as we come, your people in this place, help us to be truly faithful and to be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. Forgive our sins, Lord. Forgive us if we have um, anything against anyone else. Forgive us for those thoughts and deeds and actions that are not of you. And bring healing to our hearts and minds and souls. And send us from this place encouraged in our walk with you and help us to realize that with Jesus in our lives everything is possible and so we pray this in his name and for his sake amen now scripture reading and I hope I have things in the right order here uh, they differ from congregation to congregation now we're going to look at a passage from second Corinthians if you have a bible or your phone even and um, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read a section from verse 11. And I'll be concentrating particularly on a few verses within this. So let us hear the word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11 to the end of the chapter. Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God. And I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. 
if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. And may God bless to us the reading of his word. It's nice to see some boys and girls here, and I suppose in the normal course of events, I'd come down and so would you, and we'd have a bit of a chat at the front, but we have to keep our distance. So um, I'm just wondering, have you ever been lost? Hands up if you ever, if, if mummy and daddy ever lost you. I'd, yeah, well, um, I'm feeling a bit lost today because somehow yesterday I lost my mobile phone. And, I, and the week before that, I lost some keys. Now, my wife tells me it's because I'm getting old. But um, look everywhere for this phone. I rang it, and I can hear it ringing, but it's not ringing in the house or in the car, so dear knows where it is. But I remember years ago, we actually we lost our son. We were in Edinburgh for a holiday, and there's a big, big store there. I'm sure it's still there called Jenner's. And there's all sorts of different stairs and different levels. And they had no um, tannoy system, intercom system in the shop, funnily enough. And we were up and down and in this department and that department. And suddenly we realized that Peter wasn't with us. And uh, there'd been a bit of uh, panic in Edinburgh with the child had been abused somewhere uh, just a few days earlier. We were obviously worried. So I thought, well, he's, there was a big toy shop we were in. I'll run back. So I ran back down Princess Street, but he wasn't anywhere in the toy shop. Then I thought, maybe he's at the car. He's gone, done the sensible thing. He's gone back to the car. So I ran to the car park, but he wasn't there. I ran back to Jenner's and found my wife and daughter both in tears. <laughs> and... Uh, we searched and we asked this person and that person and eventually this lady came up and says, I found your son. Where was he? He was in the toy department. We had gone through the toy department. Peter was into Star Wars at that time. Now this is nearly 40 years ago. And uh, he was quite happily playing with the Star Wars figures. Didn't even know that he was lost or that we had missed him. And we were glad to see him. Uh, think about the time you were lost. Maybe a little bit frightening. And I want to tell you a story about Jesus because Jesus got lost one day. And the story is a very familiar story. 
he and his parents went up to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. And after the feast was over, uh, there was quite a group of them walking back uh, down to, to where Jesus lived. And Mary, I think, was at the, the, the back of the group and Joseph was at the front. And each of them thought that Jesus was with them and they discovered to their horror that he wasn't with either of them. So, obviously, they were worried, panicked, and so on, and they made their way back into Jerusalem, and they started to look for him, and eventually found him. Can anyone remember the story? Where was Jesus? He was in the temple, and he was talking to the scribes and the Pharisees and all the elders in the church. He was sitting there, maybe about 12 years of age, talking to them. And uh, he wasn't worried. He wasn't frightened. And when his parents found him, he said to them, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Well, sometimes we feel, I think, that we've lost contact with Jesus. Uh, I know at the beginning of the year, uh, many people make New Year resolutions Maybe as children, I used to always make resolutions as, uh, as a child. I was going to give up sweets and I was going to start doing this and I broke every one of them like you do. But, you know, sometimes we're so busy with all that's going on, whether it's at school or at home or out playing, we're so busy that we can stop thinking about Jesus and we can stop spending time with him. And it's very important to have time with Jesus and uh, I'm sure you're aware that um, it's important to read the Bible or have it read to you. And for those over four, uh, there are excellent Bible reading notes, um, Every Day with Jesus by Selwyn Hughes. There are ones for special age groups. And any good Christian shop will have a, co a collection of those. And can I recommend that parents would, would buy those? Whenever I was in active ministry, whatever congregation it was, the Sunday school bought Bible reading notes for every child. There's an idea if you don't do it here already. But as we reconnect with Jesus, particularly in this new year, it means stopping what we're doing to take time to pray, to take time to come to church, to the organizations, and especially to Sunday school, and also to read the Bible, to find out more and more about Jesus and the good news. So whenever we go looking for Jesus, he is always there, available to us. And maybe that might be a New Year resolution to someone. Let's have a little prayer together. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, when we have lost sight of you, help us to remember that you're always there. You're still there, waiting for us to come back to you. So help us to make you part of our daily lives because we ask it in your name. Amen. Now, we're going to sing, um, <laughs> showing my age now, because I remember when this was a, a hit in, uh, in the pop scene in, during the 60s or late 50s. He's got the whole world in his hand, but the words are great. Read the words as we sing them and think about them.
Now we come to the prayer of intercession. My normal practice is to outline what we're actually going to be praying for. And uh, obviously COVID-19 comes top of that list. Going to be, oh, sorry, boys and girls going out to Children's Church or whatever you call it. Have a great time. And you'll be coming in again at the end. Lovely to see the children out. Uh, in some of the churches I'm preaching in these days, there's not one single child. And that's so sad. Now, children may be watching online, of course, and we trust they're enjoying themselves and being blessed. So we're going to be praying about this virus. Then we're going to go on and pray about the persecuted church. Now, there are two former ministers of our church working in lands where Christians are persecuted. One is Brian Wilson. Uh, Brian was in somewhere around Newton Hamilton in the Groves, I think it was. And he's now gone to Nigeria to work with Mission Africa. And uh, this little booklet produced by Open Doors, uh, 2022 copy is, is available. If you, you can go online and they'll send it to you for nothing. But about Nigeria, because we all maybe think of Nigeria as a Christian country. 206 million people, it's pretty big. And they reckon there's almost 100 million Christians. So we wonder, what's the problem there? Let me read. More Christians are murdered for their faith in Nigeria than in any other country. And violence is increasing. There are these extremist uh, Muslim activists and they're murdering Christians, terrorizing Christians, and making life essentially very difficult. And the church is in big trouble. But still, it's growing. People are being converted and are joining these persecuted churches. And then Kazakhstan has been in the news because um, the world powers believe that maybe Russia is trying to invade. Uh, there's a lot of tanks have been moved into that area, as well as near the Ukraine. So it's all happening over there. But if you could find a map of the world, Kazakhstan is huge. It's almost the size of Europe. There's small population, less than 20 million people there. And they reckon there's maybe 5 million Christians. But it says here there's no freedom of religion in Kazakhstan. The government has steadily increased its control over religious expression in the country, which means increased surveillance, raids on church meetings and arrests. Just imagine the police were to burst in here this morning and arrest us all, throw us into jail. That sort of thing is happening in some of these countries. Mark Welsh, um, originally from Knock Congregation, was minister himself in Grey Abbey and then felt called to work with InterServe in Kazakhstan. And uh, we'll be praying for them. And then uh, Kenny Hanna, I hope you know Kenny. He's our rural chaplain, has recently been appointed to work essentially in, in County Armagh and County Down among the various presbyteries. And if you're interested, you can get uh, a prayer update uh, emailed to you from Church House. All you need to do is ring Church House or go on the, the website and uh, they'll happily send it out. Um, so let me read just a little bit from Kenny's update. This, there's one due in a couple of weeks, but this was the one beginning in January. While attending livestock markets, I recently had a number of excellent opportunities to encourage Christian farmers in their faith. 
As Christian farmers live for Jesus in their communities, may they be a powerful witness to many. And uh, there's obviously Farming Life. Uh, I don't get the newsletter, so I don't get Farming Life. Many of you probably do. And uh, in that, there's the Rural Chaplain's Diary, and we want to pray for that. Uh, this Sunday, uh, he's just down the road, actually, in Sandy Street, preaching and sharing with the work. Next Sunday, he's in Glasscar and Donald Moore, which isn't 100 miles away. So we want to pray for Kenny and uh, for Frida, his wife. And then finally, uh, I want to, and I count it a privilege, to pray for you folks during your vacancy. This is not an easy time. Don't you worry. They'll, it's when the adults start crying that I get worried. Just keep bringing, I think it's a little girl. I remember whenever our son was born, uh, my wife had him out, whatever you call the buggy or the pram, and he had a little blue uh, snowsuit or something on. This lady came over and, oh, she's beautiful. Now, I know she's in blue, but she's obviously a girl. So, anyway, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that uh, you gave us a sense of humor. We thank you that we can... Uh, honor you even through our responses. We come now to pray for others and we know that's an important part of our Sunday worship. I want to pray about this COVID-19 despite the fact that uh, this Omicron variant seems to be not as violent. Still there are tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people being infected across the world and some are losing their lives still. And so we want to pray for an end to this, that people will get vaccinated and that uh, even if they do get the virus, being vaccinated, it will not be much worse than a cold. But we're conscious that there are those in hospital. Pray for those caring for them. Pray for the nurses and the doctors and we pray for all the staff connected to the National Health, ambulance staff, paramedics and so on, anyone connected and we pray for Robin Swan as Minister for Health give him the right advice and we pray that he would take it and that we would work together to see an end to this terrible virus. Hard to believe it's, it's now uh, nearly two and a half, three years since it struck and we pray Lord that you would be with those who maybe are reticent about getting tested we pray that they would have sense and sensibility Pray for those who are uh, awkward, that they would have sense. And we ask, Lord, that perhaps by the autumn time, we might see an end to the distancing and the masks. But we pray that we would still be careful and we would just obey the advice that we're given. Be particularly with those in countries where very few have been vaccinated, partly because they can't afford it. The country can't afford to buy it. Lord, help those in the rich West to give away the vaccine so that the whole world might be helped. Help churches too in poor areas to be able to help and to, to maybe use this as an excuse to talk to people about their need for Jesus. Maybe we should be doing that too. We know that your church is being persecuted. Uh, we've talked about my Nigeria and Kazakhstan, but there are 
so many countries where it's so difficult to be a Christian today. We know in many countries, Christians are hounded. Christians are beaten up, thrown into prison. Christians are murdered. Their businesses are burnt down. Their families turn against them. But we still thank and praise you that in these persecuted countries, the church of Jesus Christ is growing. Lord, we would long to see our church here in Ireland growing. And we want to pray for Kenny Hanna in this new venture. We thank you that he has been brave enough and we believe he's been led into this work. Having a farming background, he fully understands the difficulties and the joys of farming life. And we pray for him as he goes around the various livestock markets seeking to engage with farming people. We pray for him as he speaks in various churches that you would give him wisdom and that you would bless him as he seeks to develop uh, small, informal, rural chaplaincy teams which will enable them to, uh, for example, have a Presbyterian stand at the agricultural shows, Armagh, Castlewell and Newry and Saintfield. Pray for the work, perhaps, at the larger affairs, and uh, that your name might be honoured and glorified, that you would give Kenny journeying mercies, and that um, you would guide him, and that here in congregations, um, that you'd help ministers and sessions to avail of his gifts and expertise to reach the farming community, and to encourage the farming community during what is a very difficult period. And then we want to pray for the folks here in Rathfryland. You know the difficulties that a vacancy brings. And we ask, oh God, that you would come alongside anyone who is having any problems, those who maybe are disaffected or disenchanted because of the vacancy. We pray for Colin Harris and the Vacancy Commission. We pray for the Linkage Commission that uh, in the fullness of time when a delegation from First Rathfrayan go up to Linkage uh, to argue their case, that permission might be given. But we pray for wisdom and guidance for the whole congregation. We, we know that during uh, a time of vacancy, people can, can drift away, can slip off the radar. And we ask people that people would recognize that uh, obligations are still here uh, finance and prayer particularly. So we pray that you would build up your, your people here in this place, that you would show them more and more of the love of Jesus, and that as they read the scriptures for themselves, as they listen to it being taught and proclaimed and shared, that the congregation would come together and that they would know the right direction to go, that you would call a man to this congregation in the fullness of time uh, that he would bring them forward uh, well into the 22nd century. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I had to think what century we were in there uh, for a minute. Are we in the we're in 20, 21st century? Well, he'll hardly last to the 22nd. Now, we've entered into a new year. And maybe you're like me, you've made New Year resolutions. Um, I'm going to try and lose a little bit of weight. 
I'm going to try and read more scripture every day. I'm going to pray more. I make, and you've made a list like I've made a list. And maybe it's a bit different this year because of the pandemic. Because the pandemic has perhaps forced us to sit down and carefully consider how we might start afresh. Because a new year is, in a sense, a new page. And all that is in the past can be forgotten. And a lot of things need to be forgotten and perhaps lost as we enter the new year. But we know that uh, there might well be a, a, a blank page in front of us. There's still a, a whole book full of our faults, full of our mistakes, full of our errors. And we're going to start filling up a new book this year as we stumble along. And it's a reality. It's a little bit strange, perhaps, but these New Year resolutions fade away so quickly. And, you know, it's a bit like when we were at school, if we were to get a, a, a report on, on our behavior, uh, well, I got this frequently at school, could do better. <laughs> but, you know, if we're not careful, we can begin to think of God as some sort of disciplinarian who's only happy with us when we're getting A-stars. And there is a danger in starting to think that by our own efforts, we can somehow earn God's favor. But I think it's also true to say that all our good intentions can get lost in the everyday circumstances of life. Because life is even more difficult now with COVID on us. And we may well promise ourselves, well, I'm going to be more caring for people. I'm going to spend more time with my elderly aunt or cousin or whatever. I'm going to walk the dog more. I'm going to go on a diet. I'm going to give up this. I'm going to start doing that. And the list gets longer and longer and longer. But it is right and it is advisable to consider and to learn from the past. As it is to look forward to the future with hope. You're vacant, I needn't tell you that, at the moment as a congregation. And you need to be looking forward and praying for God to bring you somebody to take up the reins again and bring you together and bring you forward with fervor. There's a good word to use. We're called to live today as Christians in particular ways. And... We do know what the future holds. We know that Jesus is coming back someday. And he holds the future. He's in control of it all. And there's a danger in putting on not just our, the masks we're wearing, but our Sunday mask and forgetting what God has called us to do. Well, in that passage of Scripture from Second Corinthians that, that we read, Paul gives us a very clear insight into the inconsistencies that all of us can express in our daily lives. I'm going to concentrate in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Somebody's on the ball up there, <laughs> getting the verse up there. Thank you. This will test them now. Look back at verses 14 and 15. 
Let me read them. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. So my first point is in Christ. In Christ. And it's a question. Are you Am I in Christ? It's a very simple question. But we can get all sorts of different answers. We can become entangled by all sorts of nonsense in the way we answer this question because all that's required is a simple yes or a simple no. But maybe we're like politicians when we're asked a question. We can't do that. We can't say yes or we can't say no. But this is a question... We have to be able to answer one way. We can't phone a friend. We can't take 50-50. And be very sure, I'm not asking you, have you been baptized? I'm not asking you, are you a communicant member? I'm not asking you if your parents were Christians. I'm not even asking you if you are a Presbyterian. Because you cannot say, I think I am. Or, I hope I am. It has to be yes or it has to be no. Why is this so important? Well, look at verse 14 again. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. Because one died for all. The Bible is clearly not saying that everybody is going to be saved. Before I became a Christian, I was... I was brought up in the South. Once I left boarding school, I stopped going to church. No interest whatsoever. I suppose if anyone had asked me what I believed, I believed everybody was going to heaven. Well, the Lord intervened and changed everything. The Bible is saying there that when Jesus died, he died the death we all deserve. And that when we become Christians... The death that Jesus died was for you as it was for me. Very closely linked to all this, of course, is the resurrection. Look at verse 15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Not only did Jesus die in our place, Jesus was raised to life so that all the benefits could accrue to us. Another plain question. Have you ever dealt with the fact that the God of heaven died for you? On the cross, Jesus paid the price that God required to redeem men, women, and young people. It was there on the cross that God's anger, God's wrath at our sin was dealt with. It was on the cross that the justice of God was dealt with as a sinless man died in the place of sinful people like you and me. Look at verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I wonder have you ever realized that anything other than trusting in Jesus alone 
for salvation will appear to God as utterly contemptible. That lovely modern hymn in Christ alone comes to mind. God's own son was killed so that you and I might come into a loving relationship with him. How can we ever think that by making New Year resolutions that we can somehow get right with God? You know, when we see clearly, we will then realize that there is and can only be one way to get right with God, and that is God's way. If we trust in Christ alone, we will become a child of God. C.S. Lewis, uh, and it's a, a fairly long quote, but it's worth quoting. If you want to get warm, you must stand near the fire. If you want to be wet, you must get into the water. If you want joy, power, peace, eternal life, you must get close to or even into the thing that has them. They are not prizes which God could, if he chose, just hand out to everyone. They are a great fountain of energy and beauty spouting up at the very center of reality. If you are close to it, the spray will wet you. If you are not, you'll remain dry. Once a man is united to God, and obviously that means a woman or a young person as well, how can he, how can they not live forever? Once a person is separated from God, what can they do but wither and die? C.S. Lewis is worth reading. In Christ. Then, secondly, a new creation. Look at 17 again. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, they are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, the amazing thing that the Bible is telling us is not just that God should come to earth and live like one of us. That in itself is remarkable and should fill us with wonder. Neither is it that he should live with us, working, living, eating, drinking, walking, talking among us for over 30 years. Neither is it that he died like one of us, unjustly, brutally, painfully, because that's all too much for us to comprehend. The wonderful thing is that God actually wants us to be his children. Unbelievable. And therefore we can be sons of God, whether we're male or female, because as born-again believers, we have entered into a new relationship where all the rights and privileges of sons are ours, male and female, rich and poor, young and old, clever and maybe not so clever. The measure is not us. The measure is not us, but the fact that we're called to enter into a father-son relationship with God. And that raises another very plain question. Have you ever thought about this seriously? The God of the universe who created all things, who sustains all things by the power of his word, wants people like you and me to be adopted into his family. Now, of course, it's not just a case of following a set of rules and regulations. We already have the Ten Commandments, and we know to our cost that we break it constantly. 
maybe we haven't murdered anyone, but we've maybe had murderous thoughts. I not get into that this morning. We can't even live by our own moral code because we create our own sets of moral codes. And as a society, we actually degenerate. When I look at what has happened in Northern Ireland over the last 20 years, I, say, I, I can't scarcely take it in. Who would have thought that abortion was available so easily? Something like 3,500 babies have been murdered in Northern Ireland in the last 18 months. Isn't it unbelievable that in any particular hospital, large hospital, there are doctors and nurses and all sorts of people struggling to save the life of a, a premature baby. And somewhere else in the hospital, they're murdering babies. I mean, how can we take that in as Christian people? We know what is right. So what does God do? God understands all of this. And God knows that we need to be remade. We're born again, to put it the clearest way. We're made new. We put on Christ. And the Bible is rich in its descriptions of what happens to people when they become Christians. It all boils down to this one simple fact. We are reborn. The same challenge comes to you and me as it did to Nicodemus in the Bible. Jesus told him, you must be born again. Let's understand that when we enter this new relationship as new people, not just people who have a longer set of New Year resolutions, we were once upon a time enemies of God by nature. We didn't acknowledge it, but we hated him. We were instruments of Satan. We didn't hate God with our words. We were maybe more careful than that. But certainly by the things we did, the things we thought, the places we went, we were enemies of God. But now he has made us anew by making us conscious of the impact and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Maybe through a word spoken by a friend or family member, Maybe through a passage of scripture we've read or heard, the Holy Spirit can take that and change our lives from within. We can't make ourselves Christian. I can't make you a Christian. Nobody can do that. Only God, the Holy Spirit, can do that. So once we were enemies, hating him, but now it's all different. The old has gone, the new has come. My third point, again, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And when we enter into this relationship, everything changes. I was converted in 1969 as a young man in my early 20s. I soon discovered that I lost every friend I had or thought they were friends. I didn't go drinking anymore with them. I, I was in the bank in those days and I was able to influence people to lend them money, that, that ended because that was wrong. But the Lord gave me a completely new set of friends, many of whom I still have 50-odd years later. 
Verse 16 is very important because there Paul confesses that he used to judge by worldly standards, even judging Jesus by the same criteria. But all this has changed for Paul because he has started to see things differently. He sees things through God's eyes because of that experience of Jesus he had on the road to Damascus. The new, this new creation is therefore not merely reading the Bible and trying to do what it says, because we're dealing with something completely new. Our whole mindset has been altered and is in the process of being altered. Now, some people expect that when they become a Christian, everything will be great and all their problems will end and suddenly they're perfect. That's not true. Anyone who's been a Christian can tell you that. Uh, Many years ago, I worked uh, in the Irish Mission, and part of my job was to help congregations organize missions. And uh, we would have sent in some of the culprits, as they were called then, and uh, they would have done door-to-door work and so on. And when the day came, we would have provided literature for bookstalls and that sort of thing. Congregation usually picked the evangelist. And I would have gone into some of the meetings and I was horrified by some when they said, now give your life to Jesus and everything will be perfect. You'll have no more problems. Well, let me tell you, you become a Christian. In many cases, that's when the problems start because you're different and people don't like things that are different. But anyone who's been a Christian for any length of time time, would say, I wouldn't wish it any other way. Because life as a Christian is so fulfilling and happy. And we're able to deal with the problems that come. It's just fascinating to talk to uh, various ministers and how their congregations are coping with COVID-19. I've been preaching in one or two places, smaller congregations than here. And there's maybe been maybe 11 or 12 people. And I've been the youngest there. And I'm no spring chicken. So... uh, Well done. Encourage others. There's room for more. We could fill both sides here. I don't know how many. You'd probably get, what, 450 into this building. Anyway, let me get back to my text. It's when we become a Christian that we can encounter our first disappointment because we discover that really we're very little different than we were before. As an example, Think about what happens. You're out driving. Somebody overtakes you. This happened to me in the way today. I maybe wasn't going quick enough for the person behind. He came up right up behind me and uh, then suddenly overtook me, almost on a corner, cut in in front of me, and away he went. And everything was all right. But I was annoyed. My first reaction was to hit the horn, but I, I didn't. But I was angry, I was cross, and immediately my sanctification went down a few notches. We get angry when people annoy us or do things like that. And that response is a reflection of the state of our our souls. We have a lot of work still to do. And we realize that our sinful acts are beyond our control. If we're out playing sport and somebody... Uh, If you're rugby and somebody tackles you around the head, 
well, you don't think nice thoughts about them. Or you're out golfing and you shank the ball into the rough. All those sort of things. You're out shopping and your child drops a bottle of milk or something. All sorts of things can make us angry. And that sort of provocation doesn't make us bad people. It shows how essentially bad we still are. Because we cannot control the inner person. Our temperament is beyond the control of our wills. And the change that we need to undergo is an alteration of our souls. And that can only be done by God. But let me say this. The great thing about being a Christian is that God does do something even about these aspects of our lives. First of all, he saves us by dying on the cross. Secondly, he receives us into his family as sons and daughters. He adopts us. Thirdly, he comes to live within us so that our inner motivations are steadily being changed. We become more aware of the wrong things we say and do, and God works on that by changing our inner motivations. And we become kinder. We become more peaceful. We become more organized. Sometimes it will seem that we've taken two steps forward and maybe a step backwards or even the other way around. But with time and with our cooperation and with a fair amount of hard work, God the Holy Spirit so works within us that we become more and more like Jesus himself. This work of the Holy Spirit, of course, is called sanctification. If we, if we were to draw a graph of our spiritual lives, it would resemble that of the economy. It would be up and down and up and down and up and down. That's sanctification. But gradually, the blue line is going steadily, slowly, imperceptibly upwards. Until that time, we go to be with Jesus when we will be perfect as he is perfect, except for the scars uh, on his body. Because when we trust in Christ and in Christ alone, we enter into a completely new life. And that's why we are born again. Now, we will still operate in many ways like our old selves, but we have an infection, a good sort of infection, an infection that is bringing us new life, an infection that is working through our systems in such a way that, is, that we are being gradually changed to be more and more like Jesus. And this is what the Christian life is like. This is what it means to be saved. And I, I don't know any of you personally. I don't know where you stand spiritually. I'm just saying the truth. Maybe it rings true. And Read verse 17 for one last time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. To leave you with a question. Are you in Christ? God grant that you are. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we enter this new year, we thank you for the opportunities it brings to us, especially spiritually. And we pray that as we reflect, particularly in that verse, 
recognizing that everything can be new. And we pray that you would speak to all of us, that you would make us more and more like Jesus, that we might love each other more, that we might be united in the important aspects of the Christian life, that we would work together as a congregation, looking forward, as it were, to the future. So give us that sense of oneness, that sense of your presence, so that we might be blessed ourselves and in turn become a blessing to others here in this congregation and in the wider community. Because we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a great old hymn to close with, Blessed Assurance.
now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.